0: life can be pricey does it ever feel like you're working really hard but don't have anything left at the end of the month to show for it
1: in this episode we share the creative strategies we use to live on one teacher salary while still saving for our dreams that you can use to get to yours
0: this is life with amy and jordan When we were newly married, our days looked really different than they look right now. Our days were filled with carpooling to work together. Uh, typically, I feel like we normally blast the Taylor Swift 1989 CD in the car on the way there <laughs> as we would carpool to work together. It might have
1: been red before that. I
0: think... Oh, was it? Oh, you're right. It wasn't 1989. Gosh.
1: You, you fast forwarded like five years. I'm
0: getting my Taylor facts all wrong. What kind of Taylor fan am I? Oh, man. It's all getting mixed up in my head. Regardless, we were jamming out to some kind of Taylor in the car as we were driving to work. And that's because we taught elementary school together. We were in next door classrooms, believe it or not. So Jordan was teaching fifth grade. I was teaching fourth grade. And our rooms were right next door to each other. You
1: want to know the key to being an excellent fifth grade? teacher.
0: Getting your Taylor Swift references right. That's part of
1: it. (laughs) having an excellent fourth grade teacher that sends you her pre-made Aww, kids. oh
0: well, thank you. <laughs> but
1: Jordan's job was, it was like Mrs. Demos did a great job with the fourth graders. Mr. Demos, don't screw them up.
0: <laughs> and that was the thing we lived our lives then as Mr. and Mrs. Demos. So we used to cover recess duty together on the playground. We used to um, cover the pickup line at the end of the day with our like really cool walkie talkies where we'd be like calling the names of kids to get to their parents' cars. Um, we were, covering uh, field trips together and chaperoning together. Uh, We were grading spelling tests and math tests uh, during lunchtime. It was just a really different time um, than the way our life looks right now. And, you know, we loved teaching and we loved our kids. But at that time, our dream and our biggest goal um, actually ended up being for us to leave those jobs and go full-time together as photographers. We really wanted to be self-employed and to have photography support and sustain us 100% so that we could be working from home together doing the thing that we loved.
1: And so as you're, as you're driving right now, as you're running on the treadmill at the gym... <laughs> as you're um, in
0: alignment in some way.
1: Yeah. If you don't understand the alignment reference check out one of the earlier episodes, episode one. Episode yeah. <laughs> one. Um, but we want to ask you no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your day has been like, no matter what season of life you're walking through, um, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whatever your life looks like professionally, I think at some point we all have to wrestle with this really important question. And the sooner we ask ourselves this question, the better. And the question is, what is your biggest goal for your money? What is your biggest financial goal? When you look at your life and you start to think out 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and you start to paint a vision for where you want to go, where you want to be, and what your life is going to look like, what is your biggest financial goal?
0: So again, for us, our biggest financial goal in that season was we wanted to be able to go full-time in our business together. And so that was something that we wanted to work really hard towards together. And that was our biggest goal. And maybe your biggest goal is the same. Maybe you want to be completely self-employed too. But maybe your biggest financial goal is really different. Maybe your biggest financial goal is you want to leave your job so that you can stay home with your kids. Or maybe you are just looking for a life where you can pay for all the extras in life like vacations and dance lessons you know the the ability to go out to eat at a restaurant without stress um, just living a life without stress maybe that's your financial goal or um, maybe you've got like a, a kitchen you really want to renovate or um, you know in your current home or maybe you're hoping to buy a new home or your first home or an upgraded home um, or maybe you' biggest financial goal is you want to pay off your home and be debt-free, which is an awesome goal. Um, Speaking of debt-free, maybe you are strapped with your student loans right now. And your biggest financial goal is to get rid of those student loans and get out of debt completely. Um, maybe you're ready to upgrade your car, or maybe you're wanting to buy a car for the very first time. Um, or maybe you're thinking, you know, my biggest financial goal is I want to be able to retire at this specific age with this specific amount of money in the bank.
1: Yeah. And whatever your goal is, whatever your big financial goal is, maybe you have a couple of big financial goals. Um, something that we heard really early on in our marriage. And we've mentioned this guy before, and we're going to mention him again, because he's changed our life in so many ways. He's he's an author and a a financial coach named Dave Ramsey. And he wrote a book called The Total Money Makeover, which is a $10 book when it's on sale. We highly recommend getting a copy. But Dave says something all the time. It's kind of the tagline and the slogan that he's really known for, which is live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. I want to say that again. Live like no one else so later you can live like no one else. And like Amy said, at the time when we first got married... Uh, we were living on a teacher salary. And so one of the first things that we had to do once we knew what our, what our big financial goals were, we had dreams of retiring with a certain amount of money in the bank. We had dreams of buying a home one day. Like Amy said, our biggest overarching goal was we had a dream to eventually leave our jobs teaching elementary school and be full-time wedding and portrait photographers, fully sustaining ourselves with our own business so that we could work from home together and be self-employed. But the first step to... Getting to be able to live like no one else is first you've got to start living like no one else. And on a teacher salary in the state of Arizona, which at the time was the lowest one of the lowest paying states in the country uh, for First year for teachers and for first year teachers especially. I think we were ranked like 48 out of 50 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first things we had to do is we had to make the most out of the money that we had. We had to get 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 a budget with all of our financial priorities in line in order to save for those things. And so what we want to do in this episode is we want to start by talking about. Figuring out the difference between wants and needs because if we were going to live on one teacher salary and then we were going to bank the other teacher salary. So one of us was making about $30,000 a year, the other was making about $30,000 a year. And if we were going to live on one $30,000 salary for two people and then we were going to save the other $30,000 salary for retirement, if we were going to save that salary for purchasing a new home and saving up for a new home, if we were going to put some of that money aside in order to finance our dream of becoming full-time wedding photographers, then we had to make sure that we had a plan for our money. Dave Ramsey says if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. And so one of the most important things, I think a lot of times when people hear the word budget, it's like the like <laughs> dreaded B word. And people think to themselves like, oh my gosh, a budget just tells me everything I can't do. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave Ramsey turns that on its head and says, no, a budget doesn't tell you what you can't do. A budget tells you what you can can do. Mm -hmm. And there's so much financial peace and financial security and stability from knowing, okay, this is the amount of money that I have to work with every single month. And This is where I'm going to deploy that money in order to hit my priorities and hit my goals. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what we find is that a lot of people don't have a plan. Early in our marriage, we wouldn't have had a plan unless somebody brought this to our attention. And so Mm -hmm. where we want to start today is talking about this idea of wants versus needs. Because I think when somebody says, you got to get a budget. It's kind of like when somebody says, communication is the key to marriage. Mm-hmm. We talk about that in episode five. You'll hear a lot of marriage coaches and people say, communication is the key to marriage. But a lot of times they don't expand on practically what does that look like. And so I think for us, especially when we were newly wed and, and new, newly married, I guess newly wed and newly married are the same thing. <laughs> um, but when we were newly weds and when we were newly married, um, for us, the first step to creating a budget for our life was separating our wants versus our needs. And that's kind of step one in the process.
0: Mm-hmm. And going back to the, what Jordan was saying earlier, that phrase, live like no one else. Um, for us, that phrase became our mantra at the beginning of our marriage. We actually um, typed it out in like scripty font on our uh, computer and printed it out on our home printer. And then we framed it in a little frame and we hung it right by our front door. And we would pass that sign every day or typed out live like no one else sign. And it was our reminder that we had a big financial goal for ourselves, which we shared was to be able to go full time together and work from home. And that's why we're asking you what your big financial goal is. So that when it comes time to talking about things that are not fun, like budgeting, we can keep going back to the okay, we're going to live like no one else right now. Not very many people have a serious plan for their money, not very many people are disciplined enough to sit down and write out a budget because it's not fun. It's hard. And And one of the
1: things I love that Dave Ramsey always says is Dave Ramsey always says, when you know the why, it's easy to push through the how. Mm -hmm. So Amy was saying like the idea of creating a budget, the idea of like, if you're, if you're still listening right now, you're thinking, Oh no, they're going to tell me all the things I have to stop doing. (laughs) Possibly. Partly. Kind of.
0: (laughs) But hopefully in a really empowering way um, that will allow you to achieve your biggest financial goals and the things that are going to bring you real fulfillment with your money. Um, So going back to this idea of wants versus needs, this is, again, not a very um, exciting, sexy topic as far as wants versus needs.
1: Guess it depends on what wants and needs we're talking oh, about. Oh
0: boy! Okay. Gosh, I man, I set you up for that. Didn't yeah, you I? did. That was oh, a I, I walked right into that one. All the
1: husbands are listening right uh, now, thinking like,
0: "Yeah, he got a joke in." Oh no!
1: And the wives are rolling their eyes, maybe <laughs> laughing.
0: And I, Mo- I,
1: most wives are probably thinking, "Yes, I live with a child too." Let's move <laughs> it along, Amy and Jordan.
0: Man, I've already tried to pivot off this twice, <laughs> turning redder by the second. Anyway, um, I think you know we've all heard in like basic economic classes the idea of a need versus a want. A need is something that we actually need to survive, right? So the the basic human needs like water, food, clothing, shelter, things like that um, would also we would probably expand that to things like you know in your shelter you probably need electricity and running water. And I love gas how you said and, in
1: your shelter in your instead shelter. of like in your apartment, <laughs> in your condo, in your home. Amy's like inside of your shelter shelter. shelter like you should have some electricity and gas if possible (laughs)
0: i'm just trying to you know cut it down to like the basic words here and basic needs in your shelter Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, and also very small things um, that we would consider needs that maybe weren't needs always in human history, but our are, are needs now, like deodorant and toothpaste and, you know, like basic hygiene. Like and-
1: soap and toilet paper. Yeah. And, and by the way, these are definitely needs um, and not wants because you need them and everyone around you needs you to need them. Um, you can't just go through life stinking the place up and expect to get ahead so just know in this episode we are not advocating for skipping on deodorant or toothpaste <laughs> or any of the other essentials like soap and toilet paper
0: but we will be sharing lots of creative that's ways. a different
1: level of sacrifice oh
0: yeah although in
1: Amy, i guess in amy's imaginary world it's like go out to your shelter and <laughs> just use some pine needles or leaves pine for needles?
0: that sounds painful never mind <laughs> so going back to this idea of uh needs um when we're comparing those things to other things in our life that kind of feel like needs, but they're actually wants. Um, wants in our life would be things like having cable or Netflix or Hulu or uh, you know eating out at restaurants or uh, traveling, going on vacation. Things that we really want to do with our money, but aren't necessarily things that we need to survive.
1: And as we kind of think about this idea of of setting up a budget for the first time, or or evaluating and kind of reevaluating the current budget that you have. For your for your home Um, being able to look at all of your expenses from the past month and make a column or print out your statements and highlight them but making a column of what are my actual needs and then what are my wants? Uh, one of the questions that we used to get all the time from entre- creative entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, um, people who were aspiring to be full-time photographers and do what we did and leave their day job for their dream job. One of the most common questions they would ask us is, I really want to go full-time with this business idea I have. Uh, what is the first step to doing that? And I would always look at them and say the same thing. What's the minimum amount of money you can live on every single month? And 99 times out of 100, the person I was asking couldn't tell me the minimum amount of money they could live on every month. And I would explain that if you don't know the minimum amount of money that you can live on every single month, then you really don't know what it's going to take for you to be able to quit your, do- your job and do your dream job. Because for example, if your family is spends $50,000 a year... Well, then you've got to make $50,000 or more in order in your in your dream job in order to do that. But if your family is spending $100,000 a year, then you've got one of two options. You've either got to figure out a way to make more than $100,000 a year, or you've got to figure out a way to separate your needs from your wants and live on your needs, which might be $50,000 a year. And then all of a sudden, you don't need to make nearly as much money in order to quit your day job and, and to do your dream. We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute, but first, do you love taking photos but wonder why yours don't look like the ones you see online?
0: What if we told you there was a free online photography class that would help you fix that? We're Amy and Jordan, and along with hosting this show, we're professional photographers who help people take better pictures. We created a free online photography class where you'll learn three easy pro tricks that will help you start taking better photos this week.
1: To reserve your free seat, just head to amyandjordan.com slash class to choose a date and time that works for your schedule. Again, that's amyandjordan.com slash class. We're so excited to share three of our favorite pro secrets that will help you start taking better photos this
0: week. We can't wait to see you in class. Now back to the episode. So for us as a household that was bringing in with two $30,000 salaries, bringing in $60,000 a year, which is just about the national average right now for a household, we decided we were going to cut that in half and live on $30,000, which is why we're calling this episode How We Lived on One Teacher Salary. So we're going to be sharing a lot of the things that we learned as we pushed ourselves to live on one teacher salary. And hopefully it will help you get one step closer to your business financial goal. So when we're talking about this idea of wants versus needs, one thing that Jordan and I quickly discovered um, when we were working through our budget and figuring out what's the actual minimum amount that we need to live on is we realized that for us, there were a lot of wants that were hidden inside of needs.
1: Oh, say that again.
0: There were lots of wants hidden inside of needs, almost like wants that were like disguised as needs or like sneaky wants pretending to be needs. Well, and this one kind
1: of snuck up on us, right? Because mm. when we first sat down as a newly married couple to do our first budget, it was so easy for us to separate our needs and our wants it was easy to be like okay cool like we obviously have to make rent we obviously need electricity Mm -hmm. we're not living in amy's imaginary outdoor (laughs) shelter um like obviously like a want is like going to a concert that's you know that's a want it was easy for us Mm -hmm. to kind of separate out the wants and the needs and so i wouldn't say like arrogantly but i would say we felt pretty good we were like man we got this financial thing down like wants (laughs) and needs like we are solid and then all of a sudden our world was rocked a little bit because we had a want that was hiding inside of a need and the want that was hiding inside of a need was at the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree that food is a need, right? Yeah. Like you, you've you got to eat in order to live. Yes. And because we knew that we we needed food in order to live and we were going to the grocery store, I remember that when we would go to the grocery store, we felt so much better about ourselves.
0: Yes, it was like we knew that going out to eat at a restaurant was a luxury. It was a want, not a need. Like we we knew we'd be overpaying for food if we were out at a restaurant or even like at a fast casual like a Chipotle or somewhere like that, right? It was like, okay, we could establish, yeah, that's not really a need. That's a want. And so we felt pretty good about that. So we were like, okay, like we're going to go to the grocery store because groceries are a need. And this is where we really fell into a trap.
1: A total trap. I mean, and and here's the thing too, is that everybody needs accountability in their life, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why people who work with personal trainers get really fit because there's accountability there, right? Too bad
0: we don't work with personal trainers. No, we would probably
1: probably be fitter if (laughs) we It. Yes, uh, but I'm embarrassed about my ice cream addiction, so I, I wouldn't want to. You don't.
0: You want to want a personal? Yeah, period. I don't. I don't
1: want the accountability in that. You area. don't want
0: people to know about that. No, I don't. So you just announced it on the podcast.
1: You want to live in like a <laughs> shelter? You want to live outside in a hut with no electricity? And we have a baby, and there's a baby growing in you. Man. You're willing to sacrifice our family on the altar of the budget.
0: I'm. I say I, I'm a wild, crazy woman.
1: But, um, anyways, we digress. So. When we were at the grocery store, we felt like we were doing the right thing, but it wasn't until we got some accountability in our life and we had a third party take a look at this like budget. We thought we had this rock star like this is our first budget as a married couple and boom, we nailed it. (laughs) And then we met with a financial advisor for the first time. I'll never forget it. It was September of 2009. Mm-hmm. We got married in June. So we had only been married about three months. Amy had just signed her first teaching uh, contract mm-hmm. um, that was going to pay $15,000 for the last six months of two 2000- thousand. Nine. Nine. Um, I was in law school. I ended up dropping out eight weeks later. That's another story for another day. But money was really tight. And so we met with a financial advisor for the first time. And we walked in super proudly with like our budget. And we were like, okay, here's our our budget. We're so proud of it. Um, Would you just take a look at it? Let us know what you think. Because eventually, um, when Jordan starts making money, he's not right now, uh, we would like to start saving for retirement and a house and some other financial goals. And I'll never forget, he kind of like looked over our budget and our financial advisor. We've been with him for 10 years. He's the greatest guy in the whole world. Yes. Um, this was our first time ever meeting with him. And he looked over our budget and I started seeing him like circling things and crossing things out. And We're I was like, uh oh. I, <laughs> I wasn't feeling, I was kind of sinking back in my chair. I wasn't feeling like a rock star anymore. And um, I remember very specifically, he pointed to the line item on our budget for groceries and he said, I see that you're spending $400 a month on groceries. And I was like, yes. I kind of sat up like, yes. And we kind of like felt really proud of ourselves. Like, yes, in fact, we are so disciplined with our money that we are only spending $400 a month on groceries. And um, I saw him cross out the 400 and he said, I think you can do it for half.
0: He was like, you're two, you're two people in your household, you're young, you can do better than this. And he literally just crossed it out and said, you can do this for $200 a month. And we were like... <gasps> what? I think like our stomachs kind of like flip-flopped and we kind of like, like... We're going to need
1: a lot more coupons.
0: <laughs> um, but we would just never been challenged. Like I I think we were thinking like every time we we're at the grocery store, it felt like we're doing the right thing. We're buying for our needs. It never uh, occurred to us that we could be overspending in a need area because we were actually getting wants at the grocery store. Yeah, that so
1: here are some kind of practical examples of things that maybe we were doing at the grocery store or maybe that you're doing at the grocery store where because we were buying it at the grocery store, we felt justified. Like we're not where there's no way that we're wasting money because we're at the grocery store. And like when you're growing up, it's like your parents are like restaurants are expensive and overpriced. We go to the grocery store yeah. and cook at home. But here's the dirty little secret is that sometimes You can actually spend more money at the grocery store or as much money as if you were going out if you're not careful. And so for us, what that looked like was, you know, we all need water. We identified water as a need. We don't all need flavored water. We don't need sparkling water. We don't need, you know, LaCroix. And like, I love sparkling water. I love LaCroix. I love that stuff. But that is a want. That's not a need, right? It's a want that's hiding inside of a need. You know, when we um, now, we might treat ourselves to like a 10 or $12 bottle of wine at Costco, (laughs) um, which is actually more like a $15 bottle because uh, they have great pricing on their wine. Yes,
0: if you know anything about Jordan, he loves Costco. But
1: at that time, like we were buying two buck chuck. From Trader Joe's because you could even though you're not getting wine at a restaurant which is way more expensive just because you're going to the grocery store doesn't mean you're still you're not still overspending and and I'll areas.
0: call us out there and be like Amy and Jordan wine is not a need and you are right yeah, you are one hundred <laughs> you're totally right. Right. right about that unless
1: you have kids <laughs> and it's been a long Wednesday you're
0: here, here. Um,
1: but also when we were at the grocery store you know it turns out that chicken and pork are a lot less expensive. Uh, than getting steak, right? And so I think that those want those kind of like needs or or wants that are hiding inside of needs is it was really easy for us to justify like, well, we're going to the grocery store. So we can get steak because we're not eating out where Mm -hmm. it's expensive at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that chicken is a lot of times on sale for under $2 a pound and steak can be $10 or more per pound. So we were literally paying like five times as much Mm -hmm. for meat that was relatively the same nutritionally, mm-hmm. right? And so... And we-
0: lasted the same amount of meals. So we really had to start to get more creative at living on one teacher salary of like how we were going to do our grocery shopping. So for example, we'd we'd actually plan out our grocery trips and do a lot of our shopping based on the sales and what was on sale that week. So like if chicken went on sale for $1.69 a pound, we were all over it. We would stock up and then we would freeze it because it wouldn't be $1.69 every week. So we would wait until the the price dropped as low as it would go, and then we'd stock up and freeze. And man, we had a lot of chicken crockpot dishes <laughs> over our years. Um, but it saved us so much money by going off of the sales. Or um, like fruits and veggies, for example. Like I definitely enjoyed some like premium fruit. I love like strawberries, for example. I call it like a premium. It's like a luxury fruit We just think if we
1: were living in that <laughs> hut out in the middle of nowhere, the strawberries would be free because they would be in the fields and we could pick them.
0: True. So maybe we really should go with that idea. Um, but when it comes to strawberries, back to strawberries, um, strawberries can sometimes be pretty expensive for one little small crate of strawberries. They can go up to like, you know, four, sometimes even five dollars for a little crate of strawberries. But um, I was just at the grocery store last week and they were on sale for 88 cents for a crate. So that would be the week that I would stock up on strawberries. And then the next week, even though I would want strawberries, I wouldn't get strawberries. If bananas were on sale, it was bananas that week. Or if apples were on sale, it was apples that week. And so we started changing and shifting our menus based on what was on sale for that week. Um, And that really started to make a difference in how much our groceries were costing.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things, you know, if I never see another chicken casserole dish for the rest <laughs> of our life, I mean, Dave Ramsey always says, you know, when you're when you're trying to get out of debt or when you're trying to hit some big financial goal, he always says it's beans and rice, rice and beans. Mm, um, because they cheap. Filling, they're cheap right? and filling, yeah. right? And like Amy and I don't like Amy specifically. Does not like she kind of no. like detests beans. I do not like. Beans. Um, I detest what beans do to my digestive system, <laughs> and so do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, those are those are Netflix no chill kind of <laughs> nights. Um, anyways, I digress. So <laughs> yeah,
0: because, anyway, because we don't like beans, we used to hear Dave Ramsey say, you know, eat lots of beans and rice and rice and beans because it's cheap and filling. We didn't like beans, so that meant we ate a lot of rice. Um, so we did a. lot lot of chicken and rice dish casseroles in the crock pot and that kind of thing. Um, and so like Jordan said, if we never saw another one of those, we probably wouldn't be very sad about it. Um, and I think a lot of us have heard that saying that like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels has anyone heard that before nothing tastes as good as skinny feels i think whoever said that's probably never had a taste of cookie butter case. yeah
1: definitely not
0: um, <laughs> but, but you, oh go ahead <laughs> no you
1: no you okay Aww.
0: okay you though no
1: but seriously me okay okay <laughs> <laughs> no but 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 we do believe that nothing tastes as good as financial freedom feels. Mm. And so it was easy for us in those years to make the sacrifices to eat chicken, to eat pork, to eat the fruits and vegetables that were on sale, to eat a lot of rice, because just like with anything else in our life, like good nutrition, or how we manage our time, like this was a constant struggle for us. It was a daily choice and a daily discipline for us to choose to eat what was in the refrigerator to choose to make another casserole or to make a crock pot dish Um, and so I think sometimes you know we're able you know nowadays I mean you know we get sometimes the things we need sometimes we get the things that they want but one of the things that we want just to let you guys know is that we're walking this with you we've been walking Mm -hmm. this 10 years it's not like Amy and Jordan have some magic wand where we're able to like turn off the desire Mm -hmm. to have like a certain thing from the grocery store like we walk this every day and have to ask ourselves the question okay is this thing that that I'm looking at right Now, is this a need? Is this a want? Is this a want hiding inside of a need? And you know what? To be totally honest with you, sometimes we buy the strawberries that are more expensive. And we
0: buy the luxury fruit.
1: <laughs> every once in a while. But we're in a really different financial position now than we were 10 years ago. Yes. But I do—I just want you to know that we still walk this every single day and we're asking ourselves these questions every single day because I think one of the first and most important things is just being aware of decisions that we're making. And if you're going to choose a want over a need, having that ability to say, I recognize that this is, that this is a want not a need mm-hmm. and i choose the want anyway.
0: and did we have perfect discipline Back then? No. And do we have perfect discipline now? Heck no.
1: no. I go to Costco. I have to be careful.
0: <laughs> you do have to be careful. I now.
1: need an accountability partner for Costco. That's true. they should they should oh no, that would be bad for their business. Yeah, they should not they need unaccountable they, they need me without accountability.
0: <laughs> but you know, our point in saying this is, is this is something that we are still struggling with. The idea of like always going and asking yourself, like, okay, we've got some big financial goals for our future. Is this thing right now worth maybe sacrificing that big future thing or pushing it off or pushing it back, and mostly just being a really aware of okay, if I'm gonna choose this time, like do I need this uh Starbucks latte? No, but I really want it. The important thing is understanding and registering for us like okay, yes, I like recognize that I want this latte. But let me just play out the consequences of the decision that this latte is going to make, and then if I'm comfortable with those consequences, then you know it's okay every once in a while to be a human being and get something outside of your needs, right? But just understanding and having that self awareness of like, okay, I'm going to make an intentional choice, and I understand the consequences, then you can feel comfortable with that decision.
1: Yeah, another area early on in our marriage that we were really able to save a ton of money and and kind of separate our wants from our needs was in the area of entertainment. So, you know, we we only budgeted about $25 a month when we first got married for like restaurants, kind of like eating out and entertainment. Mm-hmm, like our
0: date night. Basically. Yeah, our date night. So mm-hmm. we had to
1: figure out a lot of ways to basically not, a creative ways not to spend money. And-
0: yeah, so we just thought we'd talk you through some of the things that we did in order to do that. So instead of going to the movies, for example, um, we actually would go to the library and rent movies from the library, which was 100% free with a library card. So we would like go on a little date to the library, pick out our movies, and you can actually keep movies from the library for so much longer than you can, you know, from like iTunes or uh, Redbox. Um, So we would take our DVDs home and then have a movie night where we would like pop our own popcorn um, and have like a date night in. We used to do that all the time Um, and when we did go to the movies it was because of um, parents who blessed us with uh, like teacher appreciation gift cards you have
1: children in school gift cards guys oh my
0: gosh for your teachers it was just like our love language because it meant like instead of doing our date night in at the you know doing library movies we could go see a real movie in a theater for example or it meant when we go out to eat for our date night we could each order an entree (laughs) for example because that was one of the things that we would do because we only budgeted $25 for date night. Now, of course, we didn't have kids, so we didn't have to pay a babysitter. So that's how we could budget $25 for a date night. But $25 doesn't go very far when you're going out for dinner, especially when you calculate in advance. Um, something that's really important to Jordan and I is always just l- making sure that we're living with a generous spirit and making sure that like, if we're going out to eat, we're going to tip at least 20% on our bill. So we have to do the math in advance. If we have $25 to spend out, that means we can actually only get up to about $20 of ordering food. And then that extra $5 would be the tip in that example.
1: We'll continue to talk more about that in just a minute. But first, if you're anything like us, before you buy something online, you research to no end, which is why we're so grateful when people we know and trust recommend something they already use and love.
0: That's why we created a list of all our favorite things just for you. Everything on this list is something we use and love in our everyday life, from baby products and cleaning products to our favorite books, our kids' favorite toys, and so much more. All our recommendations are in one place, and they're just one click away.
1: To see the complete list and start shopping now, head to amyandjordan.com favorites. Again, that's amyandjordan.com favorites.
0: When you make a purchase using one of our links, it doesn't cost you extra. Sometimes it even saves you money and it's an easy way to help support the show. Now back to the episode.
1: Some of the ways that we were able to save is you know when we would go out to eat a lot of times we would go during happy hour, right? Mm-hmm. When when on when food half
0: off appetizers, yeah, half <laughs> off apps,
1: right? Um you know sometimes we would just split our entree or we would order water instead of getting drinks or we would go somewhere that had free free bread and chips <laughs> so that we could kind of fill ourselves up ahead of time free and, bread. and bread yes. <laughs> um, you know and and do it that way so you know the <laughs> one of the other things we did a lot was we would have Really fun potlucks with friends of ours. We would have. Which you know. makes
0: us sound probably like grannies, you know, but like we were like in our 20s when we were doing these potlucks, right? Like the potlucks were like everyone would make something different and then uh, we wouldn't even really call it a pot. We wouldn't be like, hey guys, want to come over for a potluck? But we would instead be like, hey guys, we're going to do game night. Everyone bring one dish and then we would provide a dish. They would provide a dish and everyone would hang out, eat together, have a really fun night, like building community together. And it barely cost anything, and that was such a like a fun memory building time for us. Um, another thing that we had to say no to a lot, which was hard, was just saying no to things like concerts and sporting events. Um, we never went to like Broadway shows, which is something that we love to do now, is like going out to a, like a, a theater show. But at the time, that just wasn't something that we were able to do because it didn't fit in with our priorities for our money.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you know there are ways to get kind of to get around that and do less expensive versions of really cool things. So, Mm. you know, I know in our local area, there are a couple of high schools who have (laughs) fantastic um, like kind of like choir programs and like really fantastic like theater programs and you can go see you know not too long ago we went and saw a rendition of Les Miserables which True. is one of our favorite plays yeah. um, and I think the tickets were like ten dollars and they go to support the local school so instead of spending a hundred dollars mm-hmm. on kind of like mid-tier seats at a Broadway show <laughs> we could spend ten dollars get there early get and, <laughs> and have great seats and so there are definitely other Ways that you can, you know, still have some of the things that you want, but do it it with a kind of like, do it in a way that it doesn't affect your long term goal. And I think that's the question that we always went back to and we always asked ourselves during that season in our life. Because when you start living like no one else, in order, like Dave Ramsey says, so later you can live like no one else, there's always going to be. a little bit of peer pressure Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a little bit of stigma there's always going to be that kind of like oh come on you guys can afford that like come Mm -hmm. on like don't be so cheap like come on like don't you don't have to pinch pennies so tightly like just
0: one dinner out. just one dinner out like come on like just
1: live a little bit like life is too short and on and on and on but at that time in our life we just asked ourselves the question that we want you to ask yourself when you're making really tough financial decisions is do i want this more than I want my big financial goal. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want this Starbucks more than I want to invest in my kid's college fund? Like, do I want these concert tickets or these sporting tickets? You know, more than I one day want to have a beautiful backsplash in the home that we want to build. And so I think you know, especially we want to talk to the parents for a second because kids can be really expensive. Like, you know, we have an 18 month old right now. Um, you know, we used to spend our day with 10 year olds, um, <laughs> but to, in today's culture, the messaging is. It Quite frankly, it's sick and it's twisted and it's wrong. And what you hear from the culture and what you hear from companies and what you see on TV and hear on the radio and all the that, the, the messages that pop up on social media is you're hearing the messaging as a parent constantly that you're only a good parent if you can get your kids into X, Y, or Z activity. Mm-hmm. You're only a good parent if you can afford to put your kids in dance. You're only a good parent if you can afford gymnastics or soccer or camp. That part of being a good parent is being able to afford luxuries for your kid. Before we started recording this episode, we were joking off air. I just wanted to say that because it was like cool. Like oh, we were off air. Off air, uh, <laughs> off air meaning like in our office by ourselves. <laughs> um, but when we were Which off,
0: we're still in yeah, our office. When we were off our air, ourselves. like
1: do, do you think that anybody like in like 1842... That any parents were looking at this themselves and thinking, man, we're just not good parents because we can't afford gymnastics. <laughs> like, gymnastics wasn't even a thing. Parents have been good parents for thousands and thousands of years without paying for activities for their kids. Now, let me say clearly there's nothing wrong with activities. Yeah. D- Amy danced growing mm-hmm. up, I played soccer. We're both so grateful that our parents were able to invest in those things for us, mm. but that is not. What makes you a great parent? You know, we're reading a parenting, a couple parenting books right now Mm -hmm. by an author named Meg Meeker. And Meg Meeker is a pediatrician. She's one of the best authors that we found on parenting and children's things. Mm -hmm.
0: We'll actually link to her in the show notes in case you're interested in one of her books because they're really great. Um, But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's it's okay. One One of the things
1: she says all the time is the most important thing we can give our kids is our time and our attention. Mm. That you paying for things for them to do is great. If you can afford it, it's a luxury, but ultimately it does not make you a less good parent than somebody else because you can't afford to do certain things for your kids. You can't afford to take them places or buy them things. That is not what makes you a good parent or a bad parent. What makes you a good parent is do you give your kids the time and attention they need to nourish their minds and nourish their souls? And if you have big long-term financial goals that you are trying to hit and you're not able to put them in activities for a certain period of time, there are a lot of free ways that you can pour into your children and give them time and attention while still letting them have a lot of fun. You can do at-home movie nights. You can do at-home pizza nights.
0: Building a fort in the backyard or meeting friends at the park. There are so many uh, fun, creative things that you can do that cost very little or no money. Uh, We talked about like maybe it's not in the budget right now to take the whole family out to a movie and get popcorn and drinks, but you could steal our library idea. (laughs) let all the kids pick out different movies from the library and then come back. Maybe make homemade pizzas instead of ordering pizza and then homemade popcorn and make it like a really special memory for your kids. But hopefully this just like releases some of that pressure. I think all of us as parents feel like, oh, we have like, especially in this age of social media, we're looking around at what everyone else is doing and it feels like, man, if we're not doing every cool thing that every parent is doing with their kids, then we're letting our own kids down somehow. And we're placing these um, like expectations and um, desires that our kids might not even be thinking about. It's like, we're putting that pressure on ourselves. So just like releasing ourselves from that and realizing, you know what, we have such big, important financial goals for our family and we can still create memories along the way.
1: Yeah. Plus if they're not in activities, you can put them to work, you know, like building (laughs) your imaginary house in the middle of nowhere without air conditioning. He
0: won't let go of the shelter thing. (laughs) Just let it go. Like Elsa, let it go. So let's talk about another way that we made it work on a teacher's salary. Um, When I look back at some of my favorite childhood photos, one of my absolute favorite is this photo of my dad and me. I think I was about, I don't know, maybe three years old. And I'm in this little like pink, ruffly bathing suit. And I'm proudly holding a soapy sponge... uh, washing the wheel of his 1992 Acura Legend this beautiful white car and we're washing it on on the driveway together and the reason it's one of my favorite photos is because that same car that I was washing when I was three is also the car that
1: Jordan was washing when we got married
0: <laughs> that's right
1: minus the pink bathing suit
0: <laughs> meaning yes yes for the, <laughs> for the sake of everybody thank goodness no pink bathing suit on Jordan. Could you imagine if I was just washing that car in our condo complex yeah. <laughs> I feel like the neighbors probably would have filed a complaint.
1: Yeah, you probably would have filed a complaint. I would have filed a complaint against myself. <laughs> so true.
0: Um, so in those early years of marriage, the, we were driving the same car that I was washing when I was two or three years old. And by that time, it had so many miles on it that the odometer like stopped at a certain mileage. I think it was like two hundred fifty thousand miles, and it just like stopped counting after that.
1: But <laughs> it was like I'm tired.
0: <laughs> um, and so you know, our our car was literally like cracking and falling apart we had the console um, at, at one point it had really nice leather seats but over time the sun just baked it down so it was cracking we had
1: the foam was escaping from yeah, the seats we
0: had to like duct tape the console together to keep it and there was one day early on in our marriage when Jordan was driving the car home with the groceries in it and the car just quit out in the middle of an intersection it just it kind of sounded like boom 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 oh and it just died that was it uh, when we took it to the mechanic he was like there's a, it would cost you so much money to make this car safe it is time to say goodbye to this car um our, we actually named our car so this was Betty it was time to say goodbye you to know, Betty you know the funny
1: thing i totally forgot about that story is un, until just now is i had our groceries our weekly groceries uh-huh. in in the car and so i i i i think the police officer like helped me get it off to the side of the road as soon as possible. And then I literally like went as fast as I could the, with the groceries in my arm to get the groceries home because we only, you know, $50 a week <laughs> yeah, for groceries. Like, this is my
0: sixty nine yeah, chicken. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. let it
1: spoil. <laughs>
0: um, and so when we got faced with pretty early on in our marriage, having to buy a new car, um, we were so thankful that we had a sinking fund for that. And if you haven't heard us talk about sinking funds, uh, definitely check out episode three where we're sharing all about that and how we do it and why we do it. Um, So in our sinking fund, we um, had a a certain set of, uh, excuse me, a certain... a certain oh my goodness, I'm rur, just really rur, stumbling. Rur. A certain amount of money set aside um, for a new car, thinking like this was probably gonna happen at some point because we're driving such an old car.
1: Yeah. So we, you know, at that time in our life and still today we believe in being debt free. And so we had eight thousand dollars that was saved in our sinking fund. And instead of taking the eight thousand dollars and putting it as a down payment toward a brand new car, our goal was to find a car that we the best car we could get for $8,000. We read something the other day that the average car payment in the US right now is $550 a month. So let me repeat that. The average car payment in the US right now is $550 a month. And at that time in our marriage, and even still today, Amy and I didn't want to be a part of that because one of the things that we realize is that if we can live our life in a way where we have our needs and our wants in line and under control, it allows us to do so many other things with our money. And for us, having a brand new car was not a priority. And this kind of goes back to the idea of what the culture teaches and what companies teach. I mean, companies' job companies job is to make money. It's to make a profit, which is why you'll see those kind of like those commercials where it'll be like the 2020 Dodge Ram, <laughs> like bigger and better than ever, leather trim steering wheel, like surround sound system, four by four XL tire like gt engine i don't even know if that's a thing i'd be like watch this big truck drive over this mountain that you're never actually gonna do with it right but it's like they're advertising wow you
0: really nailed that Congrats.
1: it's like you know like big towing package that could literally tow your entire house away like and and they have these advertisements these commercials that convince us that convinced the culture I need that. that I need that. I need that brand new thing. I need to spend $550 a month. And the reality is, Amy and I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And so instead of giving $550 a month to a car company for a brand new car, that would be super cool and super nice and super awesome. Instead, for for some, some time before that car died, we had been putting money away month after month in anticipation that the car was going to die. And we had been making a payment to ourselves instead of making a payment to somebody else. And so, you know, we, we knew that we, we needed a car. It was a need, um, but a brand new car, a 20 or 30 or $40,000 car that was a want. And even though we would have loved to have the brand new Dodge Ram or something like that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk like this anytime I'm excited about something. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> uh, but we knew that we want we wanted a brand new car. There's no question about it. Like mm-hmm. we're human just like you. Oh, yeah. Like we like stuff. We like brand new things. Brand new things are fun, yeah. right? But we wanted our to reach our financial goals more than we wanted a brand new shiny car and so we got that honda civic value package that was four years old it had roll-up windows it had manual locks like you know how there's cars that have the keys that go beep beep like ours did not do that our key
0: did not beep <laughs> we
1: had like a single key that you had to actually like manually open you know the car with
0: and I want to know a secret about this car this particular car uh cedric the civic and i think is what we call them um because we named our cars um Cedric the Civic, our Honda value package with the roll-up windows, that is the car that we drove to photograph when we booked a million-dollar wedding. And we rolled up to the Four Seasons in our car, and then we literally rolled up the windows by hand. Um, And I remember that day so clearly. The bride and groom were so sweet. Um, One of our favorite couples ever, so in love. Um, And the bride gave the groom... uh, a really amazing watch as a wedding gift on the wedding day. And the watch. Cost more than our entire car. Did. That's a really nice watch. <laughs> it really was such a nice watch. I wasn't mad and at
1: them. I was like, good for you guys. That's no, awesome. No,
0: it was great. It was great. But I think the reason that we bring that up is because it's so easy to buy into the lie, especially if you're in a position like us. Like we were serving the luxury market, luxury clients. So we were serving people that made a lot more money than us. And I think it would have a lot more money. <laughs> a lot. Um, it would have been really easy easy for us to justify spending in order to impress them or in order to get the job in the first place or maybe just to buy into the lie like, oh, if I if I spend money on this new car, it's going to make me happy or it's going to help me impress the client or get the job. But the thing was, it wasn't about any of that. We were able to build a successful business without a fancy car, without fancy clothes. And so it's really easy sometimes for us all to justify like, oh, this is a need. Need because my clients need to see that I'm successful or they need to see that I'm in the same league with them when that's just actually not true um, our clients knew that they could trust us because of all the other parts of our business um, not because of the car we were driving
1: yeah another area that we saved money earlier on in in our marriage was in the area of clothing where we really had to separate wants versus needs um, you know we all need clothes on our bodies most <laughs> of the time um, and Amy's like fantasy world where we're out in the middle of nowhere building our our own hut. I think like this
0: is. Does anyone else think this is actually Jordan's fantasy world? <laughs> He's the one that keeps. I'm like I'm it up. I'm
1: like literally creating the Garden of Eden and trying to blame it on you. And I'm like, there we were in the middle of nowhere, just the two of us wearing nothing.
0: Yeah, this is definitely not my fantasy. Just to be clear,
1: I, husbands, do you ever do that? Do you ever try to convince your your wife that your dreams are actually her dreams?
0: All right. So anyway, back to needing clothes.
1: <laughs> so I remember when I was growing up, one of the things I, I respected so much, I mean, at the time I didn't respect this, but as an adult, <laughs> I respect it, is that my mom and dad were really, really frugal people. They weren't cheap. There's a difference between cheap and frugal. They weren't cheap. They were frugal. And what that meant was they understood the value of a dollar and they had long-term vision for our family and long-term goals. Amy's family was the same way. Mm -hmm. And so there were certain things where my mom was very clear, like, this is a need. This is not a want. Therefore, we're getting the need. And I can remember being in high school. uh, Maybe it was like middle school, actually. I think it was our middle school. And I was probably at that time rocking like my you know, uh, frosted tip hair because the Backstreet Boys were super cool. And did you ever notice how like guys in middle school made fun of the Backstreet Boys and like made fun of them and say, oh, I can't believe you listen to Backstreet Boys. Can't believe you listen to NSYNC. But then ever all the guys also frosted their tips because they knew the middle school girls loved the Backstreet Boys. And like, well, you can't have a Backstreet Boy, but you can have me, honey.
0: For any of you young listeners, frosting your tips <laughs> means having like, like Jordan has dark brown hair and so he would dye the top blonde. Ooh, if you search back yeah. to like like Justin Taylor Timberlake did this for a time and I don't know who else. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the old boy. Yeah, anyways, anyway, I
1: had, I had my frosted tips, right? I had my puka shell necklace, you know, <laughs> I had my cargo shorts, the whole thing. Man. And I can remember there was a there was a, a T-shirt at Abercrombie and Fitch that I really wanted. It was like a burnt orange T-shirt and it said Abercrombie across the chest. And I can oh, remember telling my mom, like, mom, like, I want to get this T-shirt at Abercrombie and Fitch. And she was like, well, how much is the T-shirt? And I was like, it's
0: $40
1: guys, $40 (laughs) for a t-shirt for a a guy that was growing like one foot every six months. Right. (laughs) And my mom was like, no, like that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Like we're not getting a $40 t-shirt. I can go to Walmart and I can get, you know, a lifetime supply of T-shirts for forty dollars, you know, in all sizes for you to grow into, or we can just get one T-shirt for four dollars. That's going to be about the same quality. It's just not going to say Abercrombie. Right? <laughs> um, but I can remember at the time being frustrated by that, and so I think I went and refed a couple soccer games on a Saturday morning and got my forty dollars. Worked and,
0: really hard for that T-shirt.
1: Yeah, went and got that T-shirt. It did not feel as good <laughs> as. Uh, anyways, I wore that T-shirt all the time with my Puka shell necklace to get the value back from the forty dollars.
0: <laughs> but I mean, I think we. Can- can all think back to times when there was like a certain like clothing brand or just a certain type of outfit that we really wanted? Um, and I like as we were living on one teacher salary, there was just no way that we'd be able to walk into a store. Okay, so it's maybe not Abercrombie anymore, but for me, it might be like Anthropology or J. Crew. Or there was no way that I was going to be able to walk into a store like that and. Drop that kind of money on clothes, um, and I think I I could recognize that. But what was harder for me was recognizing things that are less high end. So like, I think we can all agree, like, yeah. Uh, now I keep saying Abercrombie instead of Anthropology. Like Anthropology, we all know, is more of like a luxury brand or Nordstrom, J. Crew. These are like higher ticket stores but what about Target? I feel like for me, Target was like kind of like the grocery store where I felt um, falsely safe <laughs> inside of Target. Like, oh, well, I'm a Target where like things are more reasonable. So anything that I get in here is fine because it's from Target because I love Target. Um, and so I would go inside of Target and see like, oh, there's such a cute dress. And you know, you're getting it like while you're getting your need, like your your strawberries are on sale. So you're at Target and then you walk past a dress and you're like, oh gosh, that's so cute. And I look and the price tag is $36. And compared to a dress at Anthropology, that's a smoking deal, right? But for us living on one teacher salary, trying to work towards our goals, it actually wasn't a great idea for me to spend $36 on a dress. And so what we started doing was shopping consignment. And we have turned into like consignment freaks. We love shopping consignment, something we still do to this day, um, because the bargains are just incredible. Um especially if you can find a curated consignment shop. So a curated consignment shop is the way that we like to do it, which is basically like instead of hunting at like a Goodwill or a Savers or a Salvation Army um, where they accept any donation, um, instead, there are actually lots of thrift stores and clothing stores where they curate, meaning they don't accept every donation that comes in and they're looking for specific brands and specific quality, meaning like things aren't going to have holes in them and that kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with going to... I actually love going to Goodwill and Savers if I have a lot of time. But the thing about curated consignment is it cuts down on the amount of time you have to be in the store because you're not searching for holes in the armpits and things like that. Um, so with curated consignment, I was able to find like a $118 uh, Banana Republic dress for eleven ninety nine, for example. And so not only am I getting a really great brand like Banana Republic, At a steal of a deal, I'm realizing that that $11.99 dress, because it's used, because it's secondhand, because it's been worn before, is actually costing me about $20 less than the dress at Target. And Target used to feel like a value, and hey, no hating on Target. I love Target. Um, But I started to do the math on things and realize, gosh, I can get so much more bang for my buck if I shop curated consignment instead of shopping full retail. Because even though Target is a wonderful, magical place, it is is still full retail. And even though our financial picture has changed a lot since those early years of marriage, um, we still love shopping consignment. I especially love it for Beckett, um, our 18-month-old. I love shopping for clothes for him um, in curated consignment shops here locally. and also online, um, a, a place that didn't exist when, uh, when we were teaching we're, were more of these like online curated consignment shops. But um, one that I go to quite a bit now is ThreadUp, um, which we'll link in the show notes, ThreadUp.com. Um, where it's the same idea. I can basically get stuff for Bex from places like Baby Gap or H&M or Old Navy um, or Zara. Those are some of my favorite brands, the ones that I just listed that I'm looking for in curated consignment shops. And I can get uh, like an entire wardrobe for him for an entire season of size. Like, you know, you know how quickly kids move through sizes, but his like 12 to 18 month stage, I can get everything I need for a hundred dollars. We're talking like shorts, tanks, tees, shoes, the whole shebang for maybe a hundred bucks. Where at um You know, at like Baby Gap, I may be only able to get like three items for $100.
1: So another area that's really tricky with wants versus needs... Is the area of housing, right? So I think we all recognize that shelter is a need, even if it's a shelter, even if it's a shelter made of sticks in the woods. There he goes
0: again. (laughs) Talking about shelter.
1: But shelter is a, is a big need, right? Like we all need shelter. Um, but I think shelter is an area where you can definitely have wants hiding inside of needs. And, you know, when we were newlyweds, of course, like we wanted a house. Mm -hmm. We dreamed of one day having a home that was our own, but We wanted to work from home together more than we wanted a new home. And Mm. so I think, again, going back to our priorities and our, and our, and our kind of like principles of what's the thing that you want more than anything else? And are you willing to sacrifice other things to get it? We knew that our goal was to get, to get to work from home together. And so that meant not getting a a house right away. So for the first, you know, about we lived in the same 1200 square foot condo for the first eight years of our marriage. The first six of those, um, we we rented in order to be able to you know put more money toward other goals, but
0: and that could be kind of hard, you know, especially in this world of like pinch and of course like hard. This is definitely a first world problem because you know we should really just be grateful that we had a roof over our head, honestly. True. But in this world of Pinterest and social media and like channels like HGTV, like,
1: like we ain't hating on Chip and JoJo.
0: Oh no, like, like no, like Chip we and JoJo them. are great. Yeah, fixer effort. But
1: but I do think sometimes that in the world of social media, where you know you're following different influencers who are who are specialized in home decor or you're following home builders or you if we're watching hgtv shows i mean i joke with amy all the time sometimes she'll catch me scrolling instagram and she'll say like what are you doing and i'm like coveting and she's like coveting and i'm like yeah i'm looking at houses because it's fun right like zillow is fun i don't know if anybody else has a zillow addiction but zillow is fun following influencers on instagram is fun looking at homes and home decor stuff is fun and at that time in our life did we want to move into a new house yes we desperately did we had neighbors above us who were bartenders (laughs) which meant that they would you know they would basically like start their shift as we were getting home from teaching Mm -hmm. and then they would get home at ungodly hours and then blast their music and whatever our
0: walls used to rattle whatever illegal
1: activity was happening up there at like (laughs) 2 o'clock in the morning and so yeah there were a lot of things about like apartment condo living that we didn't love you know we didn't have enough parking spots for our friends when they wanted to come visit. There were just all all kinds of issues that maybe you've dealt with too.
0: Mm-hmm. Just little things like we shared one sink in our master bath. So when we were trying to get ready, we kind of had to like dance around each other because we were both trying to use the same sink or, you know, our washer and dryer were like stored in a closet. So it was really tight trying to do laundry. We didn't have a backyard. We just, we didn't have that picture perfect house that you might see on like HGTV or on Pinterest. Yeah, I
1: mean, when we were renting from our, from our landlord, she was generous enough to leave The furniture in the condo, which was such a blessing. Even though the furniture was black leather and black iron, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily our aesthetic. And all the
0: walls were brown. And all the walls were
1: brown. And it wasn't like, you know, what you would necessarily consider. It was very nice, but it wasn't what you would consider this like Pinterest worthy kind of picture perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, Instagrammable interior but we were just grateful for the blessing of a place to live and and furniture that we didn't have to pay for because the fact that we didn't have to buy couches and we didn't have to buy a dining table and we didn't have to buy a you know different things meant that we got to put more money toward our big financial goal and at the end of the day we cared more about sitting on a couch next to each other working from home than we cared what that couch looked like.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's totally okay. Like, I mean, we're telling you like all the things that we wanted, right? Like you want like the, the, That picture perfect house that you see on Instagram or on Pinterest, and it's okay to have like desires for the future. But I think something that was important for us then and now is to always be grateful for what we what we have right now. When I'm talking about like first world problems, like oh, like I just wish our kitchen was whiter or bigger or whatever, Um, and then just being like, whoa, I need to like back up and be like, I'm thankful that I have a kitchen, and like, yeah, the stove is a little small and the microwave is chipped, and you know, but at the end of the day, like. We've got... Everything we need, plus so much more, and now we're in a stage where we really are—we're living in our picture-perfect dream home now. And um, it took us eight years to get here. We stayed in that tiny little condo. So many of our friends and people around us were buying homes, and we were looking around, being like, "Man, we want to do that so bad." But we were so focused on our own financial goals, and we we're like, "You know what? We're gonna stay here. We're gonna see. We're gonna live with these bartenders upstairs, stomping around and shaking our walls, and we're gonna live with the no." parking. And we're going to stay here in this tiny space um, until our house can be a blessing for us and not a burden. And that's the place that we're in now is our home is really a, a blessing and not a financial burden and stressor that makes us wish we never moved in the first place.
1: Yeah. Something else we did in, in that season of life is we worked extra jobs. So like we said before, our big financial goal was being able to work together full time, doing the thing that we love together. And we were willing to live like no one else in order to make that happen. And so a typical day for us looked like us going to the elementary school together, teaching all day long. Remember, we would take one dollars salary and we lived on that on a needs-based budget, not a wants-based, but a needs-based budget. The other salary we put into retirement and we put into another fund to purchase for a down payment on a house one day. And after school every day, I would drive across town to do private soccer lessons. I coached some youth soccer teams at our church. And every extra penny that I made from my, from my night and weekend job, that money went into supporting Uh, our dream of one day being full-time photographers. Amy, Mm -hmm. you know, spent her afternoons tutoring kids at school. Um, She worked all night usually in our condo kind of toward our photography dream. But we did a lot of things during that season of our life that were kind of like side hustle things. Like we did babysitting, we did pet sitting, we did house sitting, we did all the (laughs) kinds of sitting that you can do. Um, But, you know, it was one of those things where instead of buying extra things, we worked extra jobs. And the crazy thing is that when you leave your house, At seven o'clock in the morning, and you don't get back until seven, eight, nine, or ten o'clock at night, you don't really have a lot of time to wander through Target and accidentally buy a dress. You don't have a lot of time, you know, wander to wander through Costco and accidentally come home with like an enormous like. Duck for the pool for the pool or something, you know. I don't know. I feel (laughs) like I feel like everything at Costco is oversized. It's like you come back with a teddy bear that's as big as a human being. (laughs) So
0: true. But if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I do have a really big financial goal. Like I want to get rid of my student loan, or I really want to pay off my house. You know, there is no shame in finding other ways to make money besides your primary source of income. Um, And if you decide, like, gosh, I do need one more way to bring in money, and I'm gonna drive for Uber, or I'm gonna work at Starbucks or I'm going to tutor after school or babysit on the weekends or deliver food or whatever that might be. Um, Just know like we have so much respect for that and we applaud you. We think it's really cool to set a financial goal for yourself and then have like the discipline and the hustle to make it happen. Even if it's not something that feels cool or exciting in the moment, it's something that you're going to look back on and be like, man, I'm so glad that I did that.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, one of the things that Amy and I have found in, in our life is that talking to our parents. Parents and our grandparents about their parents and then their grandparents has kind of reinforced in us this idea that work is good. And work is dignified, and work is healthy. I remember, uh, be, you know, before my grandfather died, a few years. You know, he died recently, but a few years ago, before my grandfather um, got got Alzheimer's dementia and and started forgetting things, Amy and I went out to Oklahoma and we spent uh, about a twenty four hour period of time with him while he was still kind of aware and lucid, and we just sat on the couch with him uh, for for a full day and just asked him to tell us stories about his childhood, about his parents, about his grandparents, about like, what is, what is, what did your life look like? What did your parents and your grandparents life look like? What kind of legacy are we inheriting, you know, from you? And we just wanted to get those stories before he was in a place where he wouldn't remember them anymore. And I remember at at one point he was talking to me. My my grandfather was born in 1933. And so he was the youngest of of many, many children. And he was born right in the middle of the Great Depression. And I remember him explaining to me that his dad, a man named Otto, who I guess would have been my great-grandfather, um, that Otto, during the Great Depression, worked uh, selling as a carpet salesman during the day. In other words, the selling selling of the carpet was the way that Otto was able to provide a living for his family. That was the way that he was able to provide a shelter, a roof over their head, electricity, the bare essentials, right, by doing that. Um, And my grandfather said something really interesting. He said, you know, my dad uh, also worked in the evenings and i was like really and he said yeah i said he said uh, my dad worked in the evenings at a butcher shop and i said well, why did he do that why did he have a second job and he said well in the great depression things were really hard and you took the work that you could get and by working a second job at the butcher shop he not only was able to make extra money that he was able to you know use for our family and for our household but that was also the way that we got meat that was also the way that our family was able to have extra food on our table is that by working at the butcher shop, not only did he get money, but he was also able to take extra meat home for his family during a time when many families didn't have meat on their table at all, or maybe only once a week. And when I reflect on that story, I get a little bit emotional because I think we're in a day and age in a culture right now that has forgotten this lost art of hard work and has forgotten this lost art and the dignity of doing really hard work. And I'm not saying that that everybody always has to work two and three jobs like crazy people like we did early on. But I think Amy and I do believe that there are seasons in your life where if you're in, if you're in a deep enough hole or you have a big enough goal, you're willing to sacrifice to win. You're willing to work a day job and a night job and a weekend job in order to get to your dream. It shouldn't be a permanent way of life. It shouldn't be something you do for 40 years because we also believe very deeply in faith and in marriage and in family. And like we said before, giving your kids time and attention and nourishing their minds and their souls. But at the same time, I do believe that there is a season for work. And so no matter what season of life you're in right now, if you have a financial goal that's big enough and you believe in it enough... We want to encourage you and we want to spur you on and tell you, you can do this. And we believe in you and that the work that you're doing matters. Um, You know, the takeaways from this episode are really simple. You know, First, identify your biggest financial goal or goals. If you're an individual, maybe sit down by yourself, maybe sit down with a friend. If you're married, sit down with your spouse, but really cast a vision for your future and say, what is our big financial goal? Is it to get a minivan in the next 12 months? Is it to save for our kids' college? Is it to save for retirement? Is it to one day move out of the house we're in? And get a new home. Because Dr. Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says you have to start with the end in mind, right? If you, if there, you know, I think it was um, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said if you don't, if you if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Mm-hmm. We've got to have a goal or a target for our for our finances. Um, the other thing I would say is get a copy of the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey um, and use that to create your first budget, right? Um and if you already have a budget, comb through it and figure out where are the needs, where are the wants, and where are the wants hiding inside of a need. You know, and above all else, let's be constantly aware of the choices that we're making so that we can take small intentional steps toward our big financial goals.
0: Thank you for listening to Life with Amy and Jordan. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave us a review.
1: And if it wasn't, please don't. <laughs>
0: Seriously, a review from you will help us reach more awesome people like you.
1: To get the newest episode as soon as it's available, hit the subscribe button.